This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is an NYY Sports Talk podcast presented to you by Baseballism, a premium lifestyle apparel brand inspired by America's pastime. Baseballism is America's brand. Now batting for the New York Yankees, the shortstop, number two, Welcome back. This is episode 105 of the NYYST podcast presented to you by Baseballism.com. I'm your host, Christian. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Yeah. And it's Stack Guy Rye. What up? There's a dog barking in the background. Yeah. You get distracted very easily, dude. Well, I hear a dog you're like barking. obsessed with dogs now. You buy one dog and you're obsessed. Yeah, How are you a dog obs- whisperer now? Why am I obsessed with dogs? You're obsessed with dogs. That's why? all you because, care about. Why? Because last night I was trying to get you to adopt one. I, I, you got me. They approved us, and then you know what? Okay, all right. Listen, I don't, okay. I don't like pets. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not like saying I don't like animals. I don't like pets. You like cats? But I love, <laughs> <laughs> but I love my family and my kids and my wife want a dog. So. Naturally, I want one. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, however, it's this whole however. big thing when you apply to adopt a dog because I'm not spending crazy money on a dog. I'll tell you that right now. That's how you circumvent having to ask all these damn questions. Right. You spend the money on, but it. you apply for these things, and it's like, how tall is the fence in your backyard, and what is it made of, and what kind of a person are you, and it's just ridiculous. You know right? what? You know the only question I had to ask uh, answer when uh, I got my dog. Would you be paying cash or certified check? <laughs> right. And that's the question I want to hear, but not for that much money. Uh, so you go through this whole thing, right? And it's a big process. They call, they called you, right? They had, you had to lie and say I was a good person. Oh, and that, oh my and that God, I deserve I a dog. Agita. I know. I saw the video. Your wife recorded you and how uncomfortable you were I was. Uh, speaking nice words about me. But. Then we get it all, and one of the references, right, she calls us as well. She's like, yeah, I just talked to him. By the way, what adoption agency was that? And she's always adopted pets her whole life. And she goes, oh, that one? They are the worst. I promise you they're terrible. We start looking into it. All their dogs are sick. Like, you get a dog from them, they die in two years. Oh, great. So now I'm not even getting a dog through there. Now I will be spending that kind of money. Wow. I'm really excited. You should be. Yeah. I'm very excited. I could have an animal shit and piss all over the house. Uh, you train the dog not to do that. I'm not training anything. I'm not walking it. I'm not feeding it. That will be the responsibility of you, my can family. Can I tell you something, right? In my house, and in my in-laws, we live in a two-family house. My in-laws live upstairs, and I live downstairs. My in-laws didn't want the friggin' dog. My wife didn't want the friggin' dog. I wanted a dog. It took me three years of being married to finally break down the wall and get this goddamn animal. And who does he love the most? Everybody that didn't want him. So he's going to, your dog is going to love you the most and you're going to yep. love it the most. I just got done telling my kids 
that I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Where are you Be- going? Because I work all day. I come home. I'm a fun dad, right? Fun dad. I, you know? Hashtag fun dad. But yeah, everything, fun. everything fun or whatever that they want to do, it's always my wife. But but when they, you know, Jack needs his diaper changed, it's me. Or when he needs me to get up after I just got comfortable on the couch, it's me. You know what? You don't need me. I'll come around two times a week. Look, I don't know what it's like to have children. You do. Maybe you skip but some, maybe the, it's same the same type thing. of gratification out of coming home and seeing your kids smile and give you a hug. I used to dread coming home at the end of the day because, you know, I love my wife, but... You know, it's uh, we've been together for 13 years. You know, it's like right, uh, whatever. Uh, right now, I got the dog. I'm you know I'm excited to come home now. I can't wait to come home. The dog jumps up. He gets excited. You You're take in the him puppy for, love stage. Oh my god, it's amazing! Like now, wait till that, it ends. That puppy love. Right, wait till it ends. Well, it's just like with your wife. No, I think pretty I'll soon actually, you'll come home. You'll be frustrated from work. The dog is in between your legs, and Creed, you just want to relax. And you're telling the dog to go screw. No, I will never speak to Creed like that. I will would never you speak, speak to your to wife him. that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I would tell her. There you go. That's I would the type not of tell person her to you go are. screw. I would say, listen, get out of here. Let me and the dog spend some time together. Yeah. We're gonna watch the Yankee game, and that's the end of it. And I'm sure there's a new episode of Live PD on the DVR waiting for her anyway. Maybe. What we have waiting for you right now is uh, we spend five minutes talking about how much Chris hates animals. So we'll uh, segue into the reason why you're here and some Yankee baseball. It's great. And it's we actually, just lost another thousand uh, listeners to the podcast. Thank you. That's cool. Uh, anyway, you know, talk a little Yankee baseball here. Joe Rivera will spend the next 45 minutes with us just about breaking down the American League. I East. love breaking down the AL East with Joe. Here's the it's Ameri- always a fun part of the... Look, we'll let you listen to the interview. He, Joe's great because not, he doesn't cover the Yankees. He covers baseball. Right. So he's got a little bit more expansive view on you know the American League. But basically, here it is. The Orioles suck. The Blue Jays will suck, and then they'll be not as sucky once Fly Guerrero and Bichette come up. Right. The Rays uh, are the little engine that could, that could suck, but they might not suck. But we don't know yet. I think the Rays are going to be a thorn in everyone's side uh, this year. The Red Sox will be good in starting rotation. They'll be great in hitting, but their bullpen is trash. It's non-existent. And the Yankees right now are the best team on paper, but we don't have an ace. Right, because we were dealing with some uh, some injury. So, so we'll give you our thoughts on the uh, Luis Severino injury, the new news on the Luis Severino injury, after we get done with the uh, Joe Rivera interview. So sit back and enjoy our uh, AL East breakdown with Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. And this interview uh, with Joe Rivera is brought to you by Baseballism. Honestly, being someone who played baseball my entire life, through high school, through college, I couldn't be more excited that I that I stumbled upon Baseballism.com. And it's not just as a former player or as a fan. They have things for, for women, for men, for kids. Uh you know, my wife, my wife fell in love with baseballism.com. She was on the site for two minutes. Um, they have an affordable product, honestly, high quality. They are my go to online shop. Visit baseballism.com. Be sure to use promo code MIYST for 15% off your entire order. Join the MIYST crew, folks, in sporting America's brand. Chris, 
Christian and Stack Guy Rye of the NYY Sports Talk Podcast on with our good pal Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Joe's joining us for our 2019 American League East preview. Joe, how you doing today? Gentlemen, I'm doing uh, very well, enjoying the uh, warming of the weather here in uh, beautiful New Jersey. Beautiful New Jersey. Full of uh, strip malls and uh, oil and petrochemical refinery. Well, I, I took my headphones off for a second, and then I heard you say strip. I thought you were going to talk about strippers. <laughs> there's a there's a bunch well, of those, too, I think. Well, if you watch a little I bit think. of The Sopranos, then uh, they got plenty of plenty of those, too. So. Bada bing. Uh, North Jersey. I mean, I can throw a rock out my window I and actually, hit a strip club. I know the owner of the Bada Bing <laughs> strip club. Literally, and know Wow. I know him. That's I won't true. say his name. I won't reveal his name, but he owns about five of them. That's cool. Nobody cares. You're pretty, you're pretty much famous then, Chris. I pretty so. much am. I pretty much am. <laughs> They're thinking about casting me for the movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's cool, man. Good job. What's up, Joe? How are you, pal? Yeah. I'm doing great, guys. I'm doing great. Joe, let's jump into this. We're going to go down the line here, and uh, I guess we'll go worse to not as worse uh, in the American League here. The Orioles... Uh, how bad? I mean, how bad were they last year? And they still had guys like Manny Machado and Adam Jones and Zach Britton. They had all-star caliber players on their team last year, and they were still historically bad. How bad are they going to be this year? Man, uh, is it possible? And I think <laughs> it very, very much is that they could be worse than last year. Yes. Um, and, and I think that I think this is they're they're not going to crack sixty wins again. I don't think I don't think it's possible. I I forget what their record was last year. I think they won fifty seven, maybe. Joe, uh, you will be giving them ten more wins than they actually yeah, had last year. Forty seven. Yeah, I, I, I know that. Oh my in, I know God, in like August. Just listen. Forty seven yeah, and one hundred and fifteen losses. Oh my yeah. God. Oof. I know it was August, and I actually put a tweet out saying, "Is it? Or is this team even going to hit forty five wins this year?" So. Yeah, I mean, they hit 45 wins, and and is it possible that they could be worse? I mean, are they a 45-win team this year? I think they are. Uh, A lot of people seem to forget, though, that the the Orioles did go on a little bit of a run after they traded Machado, so that probably gave them a few more wins than they were actually worth last year. And now you're doing it without Adam Jones, without Machado, without uh, Jonathan Scope. So it's... uh, yeah, I mean that's that's as bad as it gets. Um, and and to be honest with you, they don't really have a future. <laughs> they don't really have a future right now. They don't really have much to look forward to. Trey Mancini's probably their biggest young star. Uh, Chris Davis has been horrendous since he signed that deal. Um, I don't really know what the Orioles are doing, where they go from here, but that's that's something that's going to take a long, long, long time to put together. I just don't see how they get good or get better anytime soon especially when you couple the couple that with the fact that they just haven't been able to to, to uh, develop starting pitching for how long now uh so yeah the orioles are going to be atrocious there's no other way around it i mean it's it's almost to a point now where you can't even laugh about how bad they are because it's, it's almost that embarrassing well i was going to ask you that was my next question i wanted to ask you is there anything in this in their pipeline somebody that the fans could see and the if you're an Orioles fan to hang your hat on and say hey that's my Aaron Judge that's my Mookie Betts that's my Vlad Guerrero Jr. they don't even have anybody like that uh I mean they have the Inner Harbor which is pretty nice during the summer <laughs> that's you know the, uh, that's the greatest there, there's part a nice of Baltimore. Barnes and Noble 
Yeah, there's a nice Barnes and Noble there in the Inner Harbor. If that's still there, uh, you know, I, I really don't know to be honest with you. I I don't see anything on this team where, you know, even the terrible teams. You can say you look at. I mean, the Rays weren't bad last year, but you know, you could say, well, Snell's pitching, so you get to go see him. Or, you know, the White Sox are bad, but they have Yoel Moncada, so maybe you want to go see him. Uh, you know, I I can't look at I can't look at the Orioles and say, yeah, this guy gets me excited. It's just. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's bad. They're in a bad spot. Uh, I think that they really miscalculated what they were going to be a few years ago. Um, after that, that success, that string of success, I think they stuck with Buck Showalter a little too long. Um, but yeah, I don't see anything, anything redeeming about the Orioles. Maybe ticket prices, you know, if you want to go take a, take a nice uh, weekend trip to see them play a, a team, uh, hey, an out of state team, yeah. a visiting team, you know, that, that's, about, that's about it, though. I don't really see. Yeah, this I don't see what the redeeming factor of the Orioles is at all. And I really don't like trashing teams like that, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I, I just don't see how this team is going to be any good. Just look, look, uh, at, their, look at their depth chart. Way. Their depth chart is it's a minor league team, pretty much, oh, yeah. what they're putting out there. Yeah. And, Joe, it's, I, it's not, it is not good. I don't want to spend the whole time with you on talking about the Orioles because we could probably just go into this for hours about how miserable they, they truly are. But I want to pick your brain on something. Everyone sits here, right? The Red Sox could come back with the same exact team. Let's just assume they had the same bullpen, the same offense, the same everything. And you talk to 100 people and probably 95 of them are going to say they can't repeat what they did last year, right? That was just a magical season. Could that be the same sense of like a team like the Orioles? Like you can't just be that bad again. Do you think they have the potential uh, to win over 60 games? Like we on paper, obviously not, but. I mean, could it be the same you know, like I mean, reverse effect? You know, I, don't, I mean, you don't want to get existential about baseball, but you know, baseball is is magical for a reason sometimes, right? You got to explain what existential like means to Chris. That's true. <laughs> that is not a joke. I mean, you look at a team like the Rays last year, who you know, you look at their their depth chart, their rotation. It was Blake Snow and nobody else. Uh, they experimented with the opener, and they still won ninety games last year. So. I mean, listen, if, if the Orioles go out and win 60 games this year, I think that's that's almost a success for them, to be honest with you. Uh, I just don't see between the rotation, between their lineup, between their depth that they have, I, I don't see where they're going to get the wins from, especially with an improved Rays team, with, a, with the Yankees team that's probably a World Series favorite, with a Boston team that won 108 games last year. And with the Toronto team, I don't think they're going to be as bad uh, as people might believe them to be, they're going to get young pretty quick uh, if Vladimir Guerrero comes up. So after after the injury, um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough treading in that in that water to try and win uh, to try and win even even fifty games this year. I just don't see I don't see where they get it from. Well, to segue into the next uh, shitty team in the American League East, let's talk about the Blue Jays <laughs> a little bit here. Uh, I mean, the whole Vlad Guerrero thing, and I think we're talking about all these baseball rule changes, right? And every, some people are frustrated. Other people kind of are focusing their attention on the service time and that they need to adjust things like that for the players. This whole Vlad Guerrero Jr. thing before this injury, if you're a Blue Jays fan, you have to be absolutely outraged that this guy isn't going to start the season with the major league club. They kind of, they kind of get off the hook here, uh, you know, with this oblique strain do you see him in the big leagues in 2019? Can he make an impact to the Blue Jays team? And what kind of noise are they making in the AL East this year? 
You know, uh, between Vlad, Don, uh, Bo Bichette, uh, who's going to be coming up at some point, I think, in 2019 too. I think the Blue Jays are going to be better than people than people expect them to be. They did lose Marco Estrada. Um, you know, it's it's just the problem with baseball, man, with the with the service time rules. I know, and I think that's probably again to get existential. I think that's one of the problems with with Major League Baseball and with with the way that the internet has kind of uh, given voice to the fans is that fans think too much in line with owners and not enough as fans now. Uh, if you're a fan and you're defending a billionaire owner over a guy's service time and his free agency six years from now, rather than wanting to see him on the opening day roster, I think that's a major problem. And I saw a lot of that with Vlad Guerrero Jr. where fans were defending him going down. I mean, why does it care? Why does it matter? Don't you want to see the best players now? Don't you want to see a guy like 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 Vlad Jr. who hit almost 400 last year? Yeah, but Joe, uh, Joe, just to the defense, you know, and I agree with you there, but just to the fans' defense who do defend the owners, it's something that we, you know, as fans, we can't change what the owners are doing and we see the trend that they're going down. So I think a lot of it has to do with just being instilled in our brains now that if he doesn't, if they don't keep him down, we might not see him in the future at that point. And I mean, I know a lot of people are just defending the owners to defend them, but I think a lot of it has to do with that too, that we just know we can't change these this mindset now that these owners have, and they'd rather keep them for the long term than see them, you know, get cut loose too early. Yeah, absolutely. That's the rationale behind it. And I, and I perfectly understand that, but at the same time, if you look at a team like the blue Jays and, and we know Vlad's going to be up, it's not a question of if he's ready or not. Right. I, I mean, what's the harm in putting him on the opening day roster? Because part of it is, is, just owners and GM saying, oh, well, he's got to go down to work on his defense or he's got to go down to, to work on it, work at the plate. He's got to identify breaking balls more. It's all hogwash, right? It's, it's all nonsense. It's poppycock. So um, to say, to say to me that he needs that extra two weeks to work on, on taking ground balls or, or to learn to shag fly balls better. It's, it's a farce. And that's, that's what's hurting the game. I mean, uh, and and it's all across baseball with all the top prospects. I mean, there are some guys like Eloy Jimenez who's had a pretty bad spring who needs that extra time in the minors. But Vlad Guerrero, who who hit again, who hit almost 400 last year, he was uh, raking at every level that he's been through in the minors. What's the harm of having him on the opening day roster, even if it means uh, his free agency is pushed up a year? I, you can't worry about that at some, at some point. You have to do, you have to you have to honor your fans a little bit. So. Uh, that's just where I stand on it. Again, I certainly understand the other side of it where fans probably aren't going to change that mindset of the owners and and just understanding the business side of it. But I also think that's harming baseball. Siding with billionaires over millionaires, uh, I mean, it's, it's a losing battle for the common fan, I guess. But it's hard for me to try and defend the Blue Jays keeping him down. Uh, again, they got lucked out with that with that oblique injury, but it's hard for me to defend the Blue Jays keeping him down when it's very obvious that he's ready to hit and he's ready to play at the major league level. Joe, you mentioned the uh, Rays winning 90 games last year. They've made some improvements uh, this offseason. Do you see them being a legitimate threat for the division this year? And and outside of Blake Snell, really, who <clears throat> who's the big player that we're watching for this year? Oh, that's that's a good question. You know, I, I think the Rays had one of the best offseasons in baseball this year. I really do. Uh, you bring in Charlie Morton for a two-year two deal after after he pitched so well with the Astros over the last few years. Uh, you bring in Avisail Garcia from from Chicago, who, you know, he's he's had an up and down career. He was kind of highly touted coming up. 
Um, you figure the race sometimes they have a way of working that juju, man, and they have a way of uh, kind of reinvigorating some guys' careers. And, and it's kind of like they're like Oakland A's East, right, where you don't expect these guys to have good seasons, and then they end up pulling out 90 wins like they did last year. So I don't think it's one guy. Um, I think trading Bowers for Yandy Diaz in that three-team trade, Yandy Diaz is a name to watch. Uh, him getting consistent play time, you're going to learn a lot about him quick. He was the exit velocity king when he played with uh, when he had playing time with Cleveland. So get him getting extra at bats, uh, presumably going to be starting um, with the Rays. I think he's a guy to watch too. So yeah, uh, Blake Snell. Obviously, everybody knows a Hale saw young guy, but I think the Rays are are a team to watch out for. I'm not sure if they can win the division. Again, it really depends on their pitching, top to bottom. Uh, it depends when Brent Snuddy, uh, Brent Honeywell comes up. Uh, one of their top prospects. He was uh, spent last year recovering from Tommy John. I, I, I love Honeywell. I'm enamored with this kid. I saw him pitch in the Futures game a few years ago, and uh, just his stuff, he is electric. He, he's probably next line of these raised pitchers who just kind of come out of nowhere um, and keep, keep the line moving uh, when it comes to aces. So, yeah, I think uh, top to bottom, the Rays are going to be pretty good. I don't know if they're going to win the division. I think they're better suited this year to win the division than last year but it's still going to be a tough task for them well who won the division last year was the boston red sox and they took that all the way into october and won the world series they had an historically good year 108 wins they lost three games in in the postseason we know how good they were uh didn't seem they made many improvements to their club in the offseason they re-signed nate Valdi, but when you're that good do you really need to make uh many improvements but the big question mark for them right now is their bullpen uh i mean joe kelly's up and down but he was a good setup guy for them he's in la it doesn't seem like they're gonna ever reach out to craig kimbrell and as much as we may not like him he's still a really good closer uh some people i don't know what they're drinking but some people will tell you he's better than mariana rivera but that's a story for another day uh can from now, we know that they can do different things and get creative in, once they get to October. But can, game one to game 162, with their bullpen as it is presently constituted, are they still going to be as good as they were last year? Can they win the division with the Yankees and Rays in it and the other teams in the American League East? Will they win enough games with the way their bullpen is set up right now? I, I don't think so. Um but listen, the Red Sox had a season last year. Brandon Phillips was signed to a major league contract, and Brandon Phillips hit a walk-off home run for, for Boston in August last year. So um, that's just kind of the way things went. When when Brandon Phillips is hitting, hit, is getting game-winning hits for you, uh, everything's going right. I don't see everything going right for Boston again this year. Uh, it was one of those seasons where you keep saying to yourself, all right, well, they have to cool off, they have to cool off, and then they just never did. Never. Um, but without without Kimbrell, without Joe Kelly, I, I think that that hurts them a lot because now you're looking at who Ryan Brazier, uh, Matt Barnes, uh, no disrespect, but neither guy is really is Craig Kimbrell right now. Um, so I'm not really sure what they're expecting to do to, to close out that bullpen. And with the rotation, you don't want to say questions, but, you know, David Price, what's he going to be? Uh, Chris Sale, he dealt with some shoulder injury, some shoulder issues last year. I don't know if that was just to get him rest for the postseason or he was legitimate, legitimately battling through injuries. So yeah, there's some question marks there too. Um, I don't think they're going to be an 108 win team again. I just don't see it. 
uh, especially with the bullpen as it is right now. But who knows, really? Uh, they're like the ant- what they did in the postseason last year was like the anti-analytics. Uh, everything that we're, seeing, we're being told now where strikeouts don't matter as much and home runs do, but this was a team that was focused on contact, which I think is still the way to go. I mean, I'm, I'm not in the uh, I'm not in those in those rooms, but yeah, I don't see how Boston wins and wins 108 games. I don't see how they win 100 games with their bullpen right now in in a sport where that's so dominated by bullpens too. Um, in in top to bottom, you just look at the best teams and they have fantastic bullpens. So yeah, I don't see how they win 100 games uh, 100 games again with with the bullpen that they currently have. It's it's tough for me. Well, you also got to think too. I mean. They they were able to piece it all together, like you said, in October, and they and they made it work, uh, pretty well, obviously. But like you got to imagine now, Chris Sale each and every year, in my opinion, he's the best lefty pitcher in baseball. But each and every year, we see this huge drop off from him, and we saw the Red Sox be a little more meticulous with his innings last year and really nurture him. You got to imagine that they're going to continue as he gets older, year after year that this year they're going to really want to monitor him. And again, they really don't have a bullpen to do it. That's where I just see the drop-off of them in the regular season, at least. To be honest with you, they might not care about his innings that much this year because he's a free agent. Yeah, but they're going to want him in October. I mean, if he's hurt going into October, they have nobody. This is true also, but they might not be as cautious because they might just be trying to blow through him this year and say, hey, you know what? Maybe. you at the end of the year. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, you know, it's Chris Sale's a guy that you just look at his mechanics, right? And you say to yourself, there's no way that he can last. Right. Uh, and, and then he does. Tony. He weighs he does. Like 112 it's, pounds, it's, too. It's crazy. Yeah, 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 with a brick in his pocket. So and he does 100. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It really is. I mean, he's one of those just between his mechanics and his physique. You don't see how he throws as hard as he does for as long as he does. But again, if those if those shoulder issues were legitimate last year, and I think you did see it, he wasn't really throwing in the high nineties throughout the postseason. He actually, a few of his starts, he was hovering around 92, 93. So um, yeah, it's, it's tough for me to see how sale or how the, how the Red Sox really can rely on sale. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we look at his second half numbers throughout his career and, and they're not as good as his first half numbers. And I think that matters, especially in a long season, with a bullpen that's as suspect as Boston's, I think that really matters. I think that plays into it. Listen, it's not to discredit Sale because he's still a top five pitcher in the American League, right? And and it's a lot of ifs and ands that go with it. But it gets to a point now where you know you, you kind of have to be a little concerned with maybe what Sale gives you in 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 August, in September, uh, and especially again, I don't want to keep harping on the shoulder, but if the if the shoulder was legit, if that was a problem for him last year, it's going to be interesting to see if he wears down again. All right, we're uh, joined here with Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. Uh, now we're going to dive into the Yankees here because that's what everybody really is listening, wants to hear us talk about. And we do feel that they are built to win this division this year. We're not just being biased, but because of the holes that we just talked about in the Red Sox, we do think they're the best team in the AL East. Well, now the Yankees have their own holes to fill because we just got we knew about the injury, but now we hear word coming from Brian Cashman yesterday as we're recording Saturday afternoon that Luis Severino will be out at least until May 1st. How, if, as Yankee fans, how worried are we? should we be over Seve's injury right now? And Joe, wait, before you answer, I don't mean to cut you off. 
Are they saying he's not going to start baseball activity until no, he's May first? No, he's. Or they expect him back? No, they expect him back by May first. Which, start- aka, for the Yankees, means that's when he'll probably start his baseball activities. Which is what, for, which is what scares me. All right. So what the manager said yesterday means nothing. Right. Okay. Yeah, you know, if if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm very concerned, um, and it's not just because of Severino, but it's because of the rest of that rotation. Uh, I've been saying for years Tanaka's elbow was a ticking time bomb. We all know he's dealing with that with that uh, partially torn UCL, so you never know him with him. Uh, CC Sabathia, we've seen him with injury issues in the last few years, and he's not going to pump out 180 innings. You'll be lucky to get 150 or 160 out of him. Um, James Paxton, who is great when he's healthy, but he's either healthy or, and good or he's hurt. There's really no in between, so... That's another question mark. Uh, you know, you go top to bottom. Um, that's that's a lot of question marks in the rotation. And the Yankees did a really good job of kind of masking it by reinforcing the bullpen this offseason, making sure you bring back Zach Britton. Now I think that's huge for them. I, I thought that he was, he deserved another run in pinstripes. Uh, he wasn't really – he was up and down last year. Uh, he said himself he needed to get his legs underneath him. So you think a full season with the Yankees will probably will probably help him out there. You bring in Adam Ottavino, I think that helps. But you know, it's a question that's as, that's as old as time. Uh, going back to prior 2009, it's always been the rotation with the Yankees. It's not to say that there's Jarrett Wright and and Carl Pavano in the rotation right now because I think that's untrue. But I think health is a big question mark for the Yankees rotation, and I I would be a little concerned about Severino. I think that he'll probably be okay. He's in look to be in better shape you know that's that's kind of contradictory with the injury but you look to be in better shape but then you look at the rest of the question marks and the injury history and that rotation I think that's that's concerning and that should be the biggest the biggest uh, question mark and the biggest concern for Yankees and their fans moving forward are you at least a little surprised that now that we have this extended timeline on Severino's injury that the Yankees still seem to have no interest in bringing Dallas Keuchel or Gio Gonzalez that they seem content going with Luis Sessa and Domingo Herman? You know, uh, John Heyman reported yesterday that the Yankees were at least keeping tabs on Gio Gonzalez. Uh, I wrote a few weeks ago when the injury first came down what the Yankees should do, and I think Gio is, is, would be a home run for them. He's a lefty. He's extremely durable. Uh, over his last, his last six or seven seasons, he's only been really, really bad uh, half the season, and that was this year with uh, this past season with Washington. He was terrible, and then he went to the Brewers and he was lights out for them uh, over six or seven starts. So Gio is a guy that I think is very, very underrated. Uh, he's going to give you 30 plus starts a year. He's never had bad issues, uh, bad injury uh, issues throughout his career. Um, yeah, I'm a little surprised though that they haven't. I think uh, Keiko too, if you look at their home run prevention numbers, just in general, uh, Gio has been better in his career over Dallas. So I think that's part of it too. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised they didn't really make a run at either guy before before all this came down. Domingo Hermont, we saw how up and down he could be. I mean, the the, the legend of Luis Sessa lives on. Uh, Joe, he's got an 06 90 array in spring training. I shouldn't be excited over that. Oh my God, no. I, I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> Greg Bird is is Mr. Spring Training every year, right? So we see that, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see how they, they really go into that division, into the division race this year with, with relying on one, relying on one of those two guys. It's, it's just difficult for me. It, it really is. Uh, you can't, you can't win a division in April, uh, but you can certainly lose one. And I think that the Yankees have to get off to a good start. 
this year. And I think not having that extra reinforcement and relying on a lot of these guys now, uh, it's, it's tough for me to see how that really helps their case. It really is, uh, not to discredit Luis Sessa because you don't give up on talent because uh, he's got a really talented arm, but it just seems like he hasn't been able to put it together. And Herman is a guy that doesn't seem like he's just built to be a starter. Uh, he runs out of gas. He has one really bad inning where he falls apart. So we saw that last year a bunch. Um, yeah, I don't see why they would just roll the dice on those guys. It's tough. I know people say, you know, it's it's only it's only March and then it's only April. Oh, it's only it's only May, it's only June, and then you're at the All-Star break and you still don't have those answers at the back end of your bullpen. And uh, that's something that the Yankees really haven't been able to remedy for a few years, and I think that's a, that's a big problem for them. Well, Joe, I think you really made such a such a great point just now because I don't think our worry is necessarily in Luis Severino. It's more of what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, that this rotation is built for him to be the ace and without him leading this rotation, the other pieces become a little more, uh, you know, questionable, but I'm get my anxiety is through the roof now thinking about it. So I can't even breathe. Let's go on to something that's a little, a uh, little more of a lighter topic, something that everyone, every Yankee fans talking about. We have two first basemen going at it neck and neck. They're extremely comparable. We've talked non-stop about how the Yankees need a lefty power bat in this in this lineup and that if Bird was close he might get the nod who do you see winning the Yankees first base job I know Cashman said something yesterday uh it sounds like Voight has it right now but you never know with this team and and whatever Cashman says you got to take with a grain of salt who do you think wins that first base job for the New York Yankees it's it's a tough question Chris it really is um you know, if if I'm the Yankees, I'm giving Bird one last shot, and and I really am. And and if he if he gets off to a bad start early in the season, then you have Voight there as the emergency uh the emergency pull lever thing, whatever. Um, and and I think that between the injury history with Bird just not being able to coming back last year and not being able to turn it on, I think if you give him one more chance, prove he can stay healthy, uh, and and be that lefty power bat, he still has a smooth swing. Uh, you can tell he bulked up his bottom half. I mean, he, he's thick now, man. No, nah, I mean, he, he did that because there. he wants to challenge Luke Voigt to a steel cage match. And That's he true. Had no <laughs> That's on the record, actually. They're they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be running through the forest with logs on their backs and flipping <laughs> tires and hitting them with sledgehammers before you know it. Uh, it's gonna be a strongman competition, I'm American Ninja Warrior between the two to figure out uh, who's gonna win. But uh, but really, I think. Uh, you got to look at you got to look at Bird first. Then you know maybe just on genetics alone and the fact that he's a lefty hitter. Um, I think that matters in this in this predominantly righty Yankee lineup. Uh, See, we keep saying that, him. but it doesn't Do seem like that bothers Brian Cashman. Like every time you hear the guy talk, he doesn't. It doesn't bother him that yeah. he's going to have eight or nine left uh, right handers in his lineup. Yeah, I think you know. I think the thing is, as long as you can hit, you can hit pitching. Uh, you can hit lefty pitching or righty pitching. I think that's uh, that's what really matters. I don't think uh, just analytics say lefty righty doesn't matter as much anymore, uh, as long as they can hit both sides. But yeah, I think having uh, having that lefty bat in there, I think that really helps. Uh, you know, and and Bird's not necessarily a big strikeout guy. We've seen him before. He hit two seventy five before. I know that that hasn't really been the case over the last few years between his injuries and everything. But 
I, I think that matters too. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's tough, man. Do you really trust what you saw from Luke Voigt at the end of the season last year? Do we really think he's going to hit, uh, hit like he did? He's going to be the power hitter that he was. Uh, do you think he can replicate that? I mean, that's, that's a tough question to ask. And that's a big projection too, I think, because if, if the Cardinals didn't see it with him last year or the year before that or the year before that, then what makes the Yankees think that they can figure it out now? Uh, that's a big gamble to take, especially in a division as competitive as this early on. Joe, what do you see the Yankees doing with uh, with Clint Frazier this year? Because Hicks Hicks might be missing opening day. So do you see Frazier maybe starting on the 25-man roster this year? Oh, man. Clint Frazier, that, that whole trade now is, is just it looks weirder and weirder by the day, right? Um, because Justice Sheffield, he shipped out, and you find out that maybe the Yankees weren't as high on him to begin with. And now Clint Frazier, it just seems like every opportunity he gets, it, the Yankees just don't seem high on him for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know why that is. Uh, I really don't. Um, he he didn't get off to the greatest start in spring. He really hasn't been super impressive overall. Uh, I think he should get a shot at the major league level because if he was knocking on the door with Cleveland. Um, and he was traded in a massive package then, uh, I don't see why not give him the opportunity now. Uh, so I, I think he could, and I think he's a valuable piece, especially given Aaron Hicks' injury history. Uh, you don't know if Brett Gardner is going to be wearing down this year, uh, again, like he always does in the second half. Um, you don't know what stand is going to be in left field if you play in left field every day at that point. So I think he is a very, very valuable piece to have for the outfield, and I think that you have to give him a shot. Uh, I think he's earned it. You know, it's, it's tough to say that when he hasn't really been pro- producing as much, but he's healthy now, uh, presumably, and you wanted, you have to give him a shot at some point. I never really believed in having these guys that are knocking on the door at the major league level and just not giving them a shot to see what they can do. And I think Frazier's just been in purgatory for so long between the injuries and just not getting that shot. You don't know why the Yankees aren't really willing to give him that. So, Listen, if Hicks isn't there opening day, I think that Frazier should get the nod. I don't see why not. Um, there's no harm in it. And if he's terrible, you just stick it out. I mean, this is a team that was playing Shane Robinson every day, right? Uh, so if you're last year, so if you're if you're in the race there, uh, you got to give him a shot and wait until Hicks gets back and see see what you got see what you got with Frazier for them. Well, one of the most polarizing figures uh, in Yankee Twitter. Uh, is Gary Sanchez. You have the Gary defenders and you know, the people that would rather see him get shot with a cannon than ever play for the Yankees again. <laughs> so let me ask you, who is, who is the real Gary Sanchez? What are we going to see out of this guy this year? Is he a 185 hitter or is he the guy that the Kraken, the guy that's going to smack 35 home runs in a season or both? You know, I spoke to a few a few uh, last week or the week before. I spoke to John Flaherty, former Yankee catcher, and I spoke to David Cohn. And I actually asked them this very question: um, What is Gary Sanchez? And listen, I know what what they tell me, what the guys who play the game tell me, and they don't believe that what you saw from Sanchez last year is what he is. Uh, I think that they are, they're both sold that he's going to be a, a big time hitter. And you know, sometimes guys have bad years. I mean, guys are allowed to have bad years. It happens, man. And and Sanchez was good the year before that, and he was good in his debut season. So I don't see where the hate for Sanchez is coming from all of a sudden. Joe, I mean, he was a pass top prospect balls. for a while. Pass balls. Pass balls. Joe, I mean, he, pass balls. That's yeah, all but, anyone you know, cares balls, about. Pass balls, yeah. But you know what? When the Yankees were winning championships with Jorge Posada. And That's he what I keep telling people. Uh, balls, nobody ever you know, mistake um, mis- – What's the word I'm looking for? Mistaken? 
mistake or mistook. That's funny. I'm trouble with English today. We really are. Nobody ever confused <laughs> Jorge Posada for Johnny Bench back behind the plate, but they didn't care because the Yankees were winning championships and he would hit 25 home runs in a season. Right. So if the Yankees win a World yeah. Series, is anybody going to care about pass balls if Gary Sanchez hits 30 home runs in a season? No, absolutely not. And uh, and that's the thing. I think part of it is if, if Sanchez wasn't hitting last year, then people were expecting him to be healthy, which he wasn't. And people were expecting him to play stellar defense, which, you know, admittedly he wasn't. But again, if you if you look at Jorge Posada's numbers and, you know, you hate to keep making the comparison because Gary, you know, with all his potential, he's not at that level yet. But Jorge Posada is probably the worst defensive catcher in baseball history. In baseball history, <laughs> if you look, if you look at the advanced stats, so uh, and they still won how many World Se- World Series with him uh, behind the plate? So, listen, I-, I think that Gary, you have to look at his 2018 season and just throw it out. You really do, because if a guy that is he's a top prospect for that long, <clears throat> if if people around the organization are still high on him, which they are, which they are. And uh, if you just got to trust him, you got to trust him to bounce back. I mean, he was a top prospect for how long? And, and we saw that he can hit and we saw that he has a good approach to plate. I think part of just to wrap it up here, I think part of what Sanchez's problem last year was that he was trying to hit home runs on every swing. You just saw it. He was pressing. He came back and he wanted to be the hero at the plate. He took big hacks every, every time he was up. So I think that's something he's going to remedy this year. I think he's got a smarter approach. Aaron Boone is high on him. Uh, I think the organization is still high on him. I don't think Sanchez is going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Joe, just a couple more questions before we wrap up with you here. A lot of a lot of uh, picking of polarizing figures in Yankee Twitter. Yeah, here we go. I mean, we got the manager Aaron Boone. We just spoke with his brother last week, and we kind of picked his brain as to why. Uh, Aaron Boone is the man for the job, why the Yankees picked him and why we should be confident that he could lead this team to a World Series. He led this team to 100 wins in the regular season. And as Yankee fans, we're so quick to just, you know, there's so many people out there saying, who cares? They didn't win anything past that. It doesn't matter, but it does because he's a he was a rookie manager who led a team that still wasn't fully built to 100 wins in a division where the, the division leader had 108. So that's saying a lot. But there were some things that you can definitely critique Aaron Boone on that he needs to improve uh, in year two as a manager. Where do you see him, uh, you know, making his improvements and what do you expect out of him in, in 2019? You know, um, I think that Boone is the type of guy that realizes when he makes mistakes. I know that last year it doesn't seem that way, but I just see him as a smart guy that understands where, when something went wrong or where something went wrong. I don't think he's a stubborn guy that's stuck in his ways uh, like previous Yankee managers. I just don't see that. So um, I think Boone knows what happened in the postseason. You know, maybe he some questionable bullpen decisions there. Um, I think he knows what, what went wrong. He even acknowledged that after the season. Uh, so, yeah, I, listen, he, he dealt with a black hole at first base last year. He dealt with Aaron Judge being out last year. Uh, for for six weeks he dealt with Gary Sanchez being terrible last year he had to play Shane Robinson in the outfield last year Um, it's it's tough it's I don't understand why Yankee fans are so brutal on this guy he won 100 games he won as as a rookie manager never managed before in his life he wasn't a bench coach anywhere like (laughs) he didn't even coach a t-ball team Joe 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Like Alex Cora, people seem to forget for however good he was for Boston last year. He just won a World Series the year before right. with AJ Hinch, right. who's one of the best managers in Major League Baseball. Um, so you you can understand where where he was getting his tutelage from. Aaron Boone never did that. He never had that in his life. I mean, he comes from from obviously uh, a long lineage of of great baseball men, and and his father, his father, and his brother, and. You know the f- baseball runs through their blood, but you know when you when you start sitting on that bench and you have to deal with all the bells and whistles and injuries and playing time and keeping everybody involved, and you still win a hundred games in a division where the Rays were better than everybody expected. Boston was historic. Um, that that's a fantastic job. It, it just is. So now you're giving him uh, an improved team on paper uh, with a better bullpen than last year. You're presumably giving him a healthy Gary Sanchez. You're going to give him an option at first base for the majority of the year. Uh, there's no reason to think that he won't uh, do as good of a job as he did last year. There's just there's just none. Uh, the pitching is going to be tough. That's going to be the tough part for him to navigate uh, through the injuries throughout the next few months with, with Severino out. But I have no reason to believe, none whatsoever, to believe that Aaron Boone won't be as good as he was last year. Uh, I have reason to believe he'll be better. I don't I don't believe he's going to be worse by any stretch, though. Joe, I got to just interject real quick. Little off topic here, but you just mentioned that last year uh, was a black hole at first base. I believe you said first base. You, the first episode, it's funny that you said that because the first episode that you came on with us it wasn't it the was, first episode. It was, I think. No, it wasn't. Oh, it was the second. He interviewed him during the Well, he's the been ALCS. on the show 400 times. So, uh, I know, the, I the know title, what episode you're referring the to. The title right? was An Insult to Black Hole. Now. Yeah, right. <laughs> an insult to black holes and it's funny because it like popped up on my phone the other day and i'm like who are we talking about and i think i know in my head but i want to know if you remember or if anyone here remembers i know exactly what you're talking about do you, yeah joe do you do you know who we were talking oh, about man it wasn't i think one, we we're talking about greg bird i don't think so it wasn't one person no. in particular oh, wow. it was we were talking about the dh spot for the yankees during the alcs oh. in yeah but we were talking about one person because no, then we Joe, about Joe gave us the quote, which was phenomenal. He said, I think calling him a black hole would be an insult to black holes. I'm almost positive it was Chase Headley. It was Chase Headley and Jacoby Ellsbury because oh, they were yes. playing DH. Yes. In there. They were yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was because I, I often said that that Chase Headley trade, I, I understand. Um, listen, at the end of the day, you were just giving up Jan Hervis Solarte, but I always thought that Chase had the trade was a major projection by Cashman. Um, and even playing in a ballpark. I think you said mistake. That was cavernous as Petco. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was just, that was always a projection. So, yeah, I mean, Chase Headley wasn't, that, that was just a bad trade all around. I think that even Cashman would probably admit when you consider how valuable Solarte can be in multiple positions. And that year, I think Girardi just needed to sit him down so he could catch his bearings and he just never did. And he, he cooled off significantly and he never figured it out. But yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember that clearly now. Chase Headley, the black hole. Yeah. Thanks for losing us uh, listeners for bringing up Chase Headley. Uh, okay. Both of you. Uh, we'll Listen, let you go Headley, on this. Was a great Head, go ahead, Headley Joe. was a great guy. He was, he was a fantastic guy, but I just think that he was <laughs> in over his head in New York. And uh, that's really all you can say about it. All right, Joe, we're going to let you go on this. And if you answer the Baltimore Orioles, I'm going to be very, very upset. We're just going to cut the whole interview uh, and uh, never invite <laughs> you back on. 
So you got to you got to make your prediction now. I don't care if the sporting news tells you you have to do it in 2 weeks. We're making you do it now. Who's winning the American League East? Well, since I can't I can't answer Baltimore, but I think Toronto's got a real shot here, guys. I, I know, I'm just kidding. Uh listen, uh yeah, I, I think on paper, again, on paper right now, um, the Yankees are the most complete team in Major League Baseball. They, it, I don't think there's much debate about that. Um, super bullpens are, are what baseball is built on now. Uh, and I think the Yankees, you know, it's it's been a theme over the last five or six years, but they routinely have the best bullpen in baseball. Um, it's up to Aaron Boone to navigate those injuries and in starting pitching uh, in the rotation to really try and figure that out um, and not tire out his bullpen early on in the season. Because if we're talking about guys having 25 innings uh, pitched at the end of, at the end of uh, March or uh, sorry, at the end of April, then that's I think a that's lot. a problem. Um, so uh, yeah, I think the Yankees right now, right now uh, on, on whatever day this is March 16th, March, whatever we are. Um, the Yankees are probably the best team on paper. Uh, I think that they're probably, again, the most complete team in baseball uh, next to probably the Astros are up there. But, yeah, I think they're winning the division. I think I said that last year, and nobody could have predicted what Boston did last year. It, was, it truly was historic what they did, um, top to bottom. Uh, and I think the Yankees can probably put together a great year this year, and I think they are going to win that division. Joe, let me ask you a question, because it seems like that you played it at a home crowd on this show, because I, I follow <laughs> you on Twitter. You're always ripping Yankee fans. They don't like you very much. And then you come on here, you say all these nice <laughs> things about the Yankees. If you were doing this, if we were in Baltimore, and this was a Baltimore Orioles podcast, would you legitimately answer Baltimore to that last question? Uh, I think the first thing I would say is what the hell am I doing on a, on an oral podcast? Uh, but, but really, you know, I, I really think, um, to be fair, it's, I think we all know every fan base has that, that loud, angry, impatient, aggravating section. Uh, they're always the loudest ones on Twitter. They're the vocal minority. And those are the ones that I really go after. You don't have to say, um, but we will. The dumbest ones are the loudest. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I won't say that, but yes, that's that uh, that that does sound about accurate. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I think if I was on a on a radio show in Boston, um, I would say that that the Yankees are still probably the best team in this division right now. Even coming off a World Series win, one, winning a hundred games, uh, I just look at this Yankee team. I think Cashman did a good job this off season bringing back Britain, uh, really reinforcing that bullpen. Uh, that's going to matter a lot. I think he loses points on not bringing in another starter. Uh, aside from Paxton, um, I mean, bringing back Jay Happ is, is pretty big. But again, Jay Happ is 37 years old now, so I don't really know how much he's got left. Uh, obviously, pitched well for them last year. But yeah, I think the Yankees are the best team in the division. I can say that on this podcast. I can say it's on Boston, the uh, Boston Sports uh, Talk podcast, Red Sox Talk podcast, whatever. I, I'll be on whatever <laughs> one, and I'll say the same thing everywhere. So. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a. Yeah, I will play to the crowd a little bit. I think it's a Mick Foley cheap pop type thing. Uh, Christian knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> yep. but uh, yeah, I do. I do think that. Um, I do think that the Yankees are the best team, and that that that's that's the truth. All right, Joe. We thank you uh, to the moon and back for coming on doing the show here, even though we made you wait an hour with technical difficulties. We there. did <laughs> to peel back the curtain a bit. Uh, Christian wanted to tell Joe that we had technical difficulties, but really this was his way of getting him back for the last time he was on the show because Joe said he was cutting the WWE network out of his, uh, out of his lineup at home. And, and you know, Christian, did, Christian doesn't let things I go. Did. So 
I did watch the uh, the last uh, wrestling pay per view events. So, uh, I mean, it's it's not out of my blood entirely. It's like Godfather Three. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. But, that was the worst movie uh, I ever saw in my life, Joe. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I think the uh, the incest part of it really really. Oh, that was a true. I mean, come on! Like, what are you doing there? Yeah, they have incest yeah. in there. In Godfather Three, yeah, wow. it was just so awful. Yeah. It's like, how do you go from yeah. Godfather Two to that pile of crap? I never saw it. Don't waste. I heard. Time. You know, waste my time. I think they waited like twenty. Uh, what was it? They yeah, came it was out like twenty something years. So they waited sixteen years uh, to make it. And yeah, I mean. Andy Garcia is awesome. I think he's a very, very underrated actor. But I think where that movie really loses me is is the incest part of it. I mean, yeah, uh, like, let's have sex with my cousin. Yeah, been, that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to just to wrap it up, but I, you know, I think the Godfather movies they're they're very allegorical to like ancient Rome and and crime families of ancient Rome, um, or, or you know, early Roman history and and Italian history and and those powerful families, the Borgias and all that, but. They were a bit too on the nose, I think, when it came to the incest stuff and, and Godfather 3. And I think that was a, a big, big uh, detriment to that movie. But listen, Andy Garcia was great. Al Pacino wasn't bad. Uh, but you can certainly see where his career takes a turn for the worse. Uh, and I think that movie was a big part of it. All right, Joe, uh, thank you again for coming on. We'll touch base during the season. Uh, follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN if you want to get yelled at. Bye, but, Joe. Yeah, right. He yells at all Yankee <laughs> fans, so follow him. Joe, thanks a lot. And like uh, we said, we'll touch base during the season. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Joe. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me Take on. I appreciate Joe. it. All right, we're back here on episode 105 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. That was our interview with Joe Rivera, the Sporting News. Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Rivera SN. Uh, incest and Godfather 3 aside, God only knows the topics that come up on yeah, the show. Yeah, that could have gone down a really bad path. But that movie sucked, and that was the reason why that movie I will sucked. not ever watch that movie. Have you seen The Godfather 2? I got to say something. Well, answer the question. Have you seen The Godfather no. 2? The Godfather 2 is one of the greatest movies ever. I got to say, which is the one where Sonny dies? The first oh, one. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Okay. I mean, Jesus, if you, at this All right, point. Right, so just right. listen, it's okay? Very old movie. My whole life. All I heard from my dad was Godfather's greatest movie of all time. The first one, in my opinion, is a, is overrated. It's a great movie, but it's overrated. The second one is better to me. And I'm not saying that I didn't like the movie, but I was just didn't understand the hype. I would never, after watching that, be like, I need to watch the next one. But the second one is phenomenal. I just it not, might be Robert you know, De Niro's I'm not a big greatest. I'm not a big mob guy. Yeah, but it might. Are you a Robert De Niro fan? I am. This might be his best role. I really am a De Niro guy. I got to see The Irishman coming out. I actually know someone who worked on the set of that. Oh, you know who owned the Bada Bing? You know who yeah. worked on the set of The Irishman? Yeah, what kind of mob connections you yeah, got? Listen, I'm not a mob guy, a, but I know. That's why, Bing. Don't don't fuck with me. I'll, seriously. Yeah, right. I'm high you up. Put a hit out on us. Hell yeah. You could have every single mobster that ever lived standing behind you, and I still wouldn't be afraid of you. You should wow. be. You should yeah. be. Actually, that's that means I'm a genius that's because that's praise. how it's supposed to be. I don't want you to, you're to, the to fear me, right? You're loose when you're around me, but really, you should fear every step you take okay. in front of me. Yeah. Okay. okay. Imagine you as a mob boss. Okay. Who, me? Yeah. Uh, call me back at 12. I'm not awake yet. <laughs> I'd be the worst. Would you would you go after the unions or would you be more like uh, construction, money laundering? Like, what would you be your big racket? Gambling, 
prostitution? Like, what would you be into if you were a mob boss? Probably the gambling stuff. Yeah. It, it intrigues me. But you have yet to watch Molly's game. I got to watch it. The Phenomenal gambling movie. aspect intrigues me. It's a great movie. Like every like you go to the boardwalk, you love you love Wildwood. You go to the boardwalk, you play those like crane games, anything, all mob. All that's mob. Well, they come in off it, you can't refuse. All, huh? It's all mobbed up. Okay. A crane game. Maybe the mob shouldn't uh-huh. know this, but I, I'm pretty good at them. Like I win at a higher percentage than most other people do at those games. That's why you have a target on your back. Okay. Well, if uh, I got whacked for winning a friggin' stuffed rabbit out of a out of a crane, I guess I deserved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably. Uh-huh. So let's rein it in here. Let's talk a little baseball. Uh, I know busting Joe's balls about playing to the home crowd and saying the Yankees were going to win the division, but I don't. You know, I think it's based on if you're going to break down this division logically. I don't see how you come to a different conclusion. Uh, thing that worries me the most right now from a Yankee perspective is Luis Severino because you know last week or whenever we talked about it and it was only supposed to be maybe missed two or three weeks of the season now we hear the words at least May 1st which you know we were only supposed to miss Aaron Judge for what 10 games and and he missed six weeks or whatever it was so I don't really have a lot of faith in the Yankees medical staff right now now that no one Sebi's going to miss at least the first month, probably longer, does that really put a dent in the Yankees' chances of winning this division? I don't think it does, but I said this during the interview. It's not, I'm not sitting here like worried that he's going to miss a month of the season. I still think he's going to come back and he's going to, we, I, you know, we have to remind ourselves of this every single season. How long a baseball season truly is that like one month of course it it makes a difference every game makes a difference but by the time the end of the season comes if Sevy comes back healthy and dominant you're not even going to remember that he missed the first half my biggest concern is not Sevy himself or that he's not going to be it's the fact that this rotation is so built around him because I've said it a million times you're depending on Severino being that ace being your one constant that you shouldn't have to have a question mark on no you need Severino to be one and everybody to fall down right behind right and and that's what concerns me because now you're putting a little a little more weight on Paxton's shoulders a little more weight on Tanaka's elbow a little more weight on on CeCe's knee and, you know, those those things start to add up and you really want Seve back as soon as possible, not just because he's a great pitcher, but because he's supposed to set the bar and everyone else is supposed, supposed to fall behind him. Yeah, I don't think the worry is necessarily with Seve being injured. It's just this team really, the worry will come if they don't uh, start out of the gate very hot. Right. Because they have Baltimore, then Detroit, and then Baltimore again, their first nine games. And if they come out of those first nine in a bit of a deficit, that could be worrisome. And we said it, and Christian asked it last episode, do you really think that Seve being out during that stretch of that week schedule is going to really impact them? No. But that was when you thought it was two or three starts. Now it could be six or seven, maybe Mm -hmm. eight. Right, but I still think You're they can from a sustain that. that. We're, we're talking hope- about a guy, though, that's only pitching every fifth day. Yeah, but you were talking about a guy that was going to make 30, 32 starts in a season. Now he might not make 
20 you might not even make 25 now that's that's you know at the end of the year when you but look what back, did the Yankees do with they lost the division by eight games last year right so now you're talking about seven games not saying that Sevy wins every single one of his starts, but now you're putting in an inferior pitcher into seven games of the season. Could that make or break the difference in winning the division this year? I think I think with this injury that And is he gonna be Luis Severino when he comes right. back? Yeah. Yeah, I think he will be. I think with this injury though, a lot a lot falls on Masahiro Tanaka. I think that this guy needs to really hone it in where I mean, look. You look at his. You look at his numbers last year, and they're really respectable. And, and again, we talk about his postseason runs, and you can't even worry about his his regular season at that point. But this year, we're going to have to a little bit because Tanaka needs to kind of rein it in here and be the leader of this rotation right now. And I think a lot falls on him. And and I think he does need to be strong while Sevy's out. It's kind of like Stanton stepping up when Judge was hurt and Andujar stepping up. I think Tanaka needs to lead the way and hand the ball off every fifth day to someone else. Well, <clears throat> so who do you go to? Who's going to take these starts? Now, you know, CeCe's not going to be ready to start the season. You heard the Yankees might just put him on the active roster to start the season mm-hmm. uh, to get this suspension out of the way and then see where he's at. You know, I don't know how they keep do the bookkeeping on that, but whatever, you know, that's for them to figure out. So who is going to take these starts? I think the odd man out right now, as you keep hearing the names, Loisica, Herman, and Sessa. The odd man out right now is Jonathan Loisica. Yeah, I agree with that. He hasn't pitched well in spring training, and I think we keep saying it, the guy needs more seasoning down in the minor leagues. Now, you know, Herman is pitching to a 1-5 ERA in spring training, and Luis Sessa is pitching to an 0-6-9 ERA. So, if you just, I know we don't, you don't want to put too much stock in what's going on in spring training, but if you're going to take a fine replacements, you got to find out who's pitching the best, right? So those guys are clearly pitching the best. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is where I've changed since doing this show. I wouldn't even answer this question a few years ago. I would just sit there on the phone or wherever we were and tell you, Fuck this team. They should go out and get someone. It shouldn't be any of them. They need to go blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I Doing this show, you got to just take it for what it is. And this is the direction the Yankees seem to be going in. And as much as it hurts me and makes me sick to my stomach, I have to go with Luis Sessa because I know, I know that this guy can pitch in the major leagues. And I know he's used to being slotted in and to be to be honest with you I want to see Herman out of the bullpen I don't want to see him as a starter anymore I just think he could be such a good reliever and I think Loisica should stay in AAA all year the issue with Herman being a uh, reliever is that bullpen is so stacked right now what are you going to do with him if you put him out there they don't even think they, they might not even have a spot for Tommy Canely. And I think they want to have him on, you know, I think they want to have him on the big league roster this year. What the hell is going on with that guy? No, he's pitching well. Apparently. I know. I'm just saying it's Tommy Canely. I mean, this was a guy that was a big piece to that. Well, I don't trade. know if he's pitching well. I haven't seen his numbers, but I know his velocity's up from last year. Yeah, it, it is. So, and that was one of the big concerns, plus his control. Well, speaking of velocity being up. You know, we talked about it the other day about Dell and Batanz's velocity not being a big deal. But then I heard something that 
the other day that he was doing work on one of the backfields and he, quote, thinks he'll be ready for spring training? What do you mean he, th- I mean, opening day? What do you mean he thinks he's going to be ready for opening day? There's something wrong with him? Maybe that, Ryan- was a, that was a verbatim quote. Like, yeah. Well, maybe Ryan can get uh, some, some information on that. But I was like, you know, Thanks. Boone, you know, Boone and Batances both that day that he was pitching were like, oh, no, it's just part of the process. And now he thinks he'll be ready for opening day. No, he's got to be. I mean, you can't start pulling pieces out of his bullpen. No, now. no, 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 not not the way the rotation's constructed right now. You got to rely on that bullpen. Everyone needs to be ready. That's concerning. That's the most concerning quote I've heard all offseason. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he... That's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with him. And then all you hear him with this quote. And then... I think I'll be ready for opening day. Well, you know who's not going to be ready for opening day? We found out now it's friggin' Aaron Hicks. It's just crazy, man. The Yankees say he'll be healthy by uh, March 28th. But now they're looking at it that he's going to need more ABs. And he's not going to be able to start the season on time. It's like we got younger, right? But I feel like we we have more injuries now than we ever did. Is it because of the new age of baseball, the technology, that these injuries wouldn't be as much of a big deal back in the day? And by back in the day, I mean 10, 15 years ago. Think people knew what oblique strains were in the 70s. No. So that's, I mean, come on. That's really what it comes down to. But I, But I'm not, like I just said, I'm not even talking about that far back. Like, think about how old this team was just back in 2008, 2009, after those seasons. How old this team was moving forward. I feel like there's more injury now than there ever was. A lot more cautious with the players now because of the amount of money that they make. Oh, that too. Click, click away over there, but he can't seem to... Ryan can't get it up. I have it up, but it's it's blocked here. It's blocked? It's just, this is... uh... Computer's we'll get not. you a new computer. No, it's okay. okay. It's okay. I like it. It's a great computer, Chris. So ungrateful. <laughs> so, I mean, you want to go quickly through the AL East. I mean, there's really nothing to talk about in Baltimore. No. I, listen, I feel so bad for that, that fan base at this point. Do you they, really? I do. I do. They have such a beautiful stadium. That that fan base should enjoy and look forward to going to baseball games whenever they can. And it's just like after the first month of the season, there's what a hundred people in the stands. Oh, after the unless first the Yankees the are season. there, unless the Red Sox are there, they only draw opening day when the Yankees and Red Sox come. It's crazy. And if they're unlucky and they get Boston or New York during the middle of the week, when they when the the uh, those fan bases can't travel down because they're working. They're screwed. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I do, but but you know what? Joe touched on it too. They just don't have. They don't seem to have like a plan. There's there's no there's no future right now where you're excited. I'm not saying they don't have talented young guys in they the organization. Don't. They don't, but they don't have those guys that you're just like excited and and when the Yankees sold everyone in sixteen, right? We We've said it that you don't expect a team to just, you know, come back the next season to make the postseason. At that point, we were ready for a couple of years of just really bad baseball. We got lucky. But what was the one thing always keeping us, you know, on our toes and excited? It was to see these young stars that it's all we heard about. Baltimore fans don't even have that. 
So that's going to, I'm telling you, that organization is headed in a really, really, really bad direction right now. So, yeah, they suck. All right, so you got the Blue Jays, who, I mean, they have two of the, they probably, do, is Vlad Guerrero a top prospect in baseball? I think so. The top no, yeah, I think he is. So you got him, but, you know. Position player-wise, at least. You know, they're going to be without him for a while because of the oblique strain. They have Bichette out there. They have some really good young players that may impact the team in 2019 or not, but I don't. I don't personally see them being any type of threat or nuisance to the Yankees or Red no. Sox. No. Neither of those two teams will be. There's no way. And how good are the Rays going to be this year? Are they going to win 90 games again? Look, I think Kevin Cash... Can they win a, in the high 80s? I think Cash does a really good job down there. I think having a manager like that, they can. I mean, they can win 85 games this year. And I don't think they will win the division. I don't think, I mean, maybe they will win the second wild card. Who knows? But I don't think they're going to get in the way of the Yankees or the Red Sox winning this division. But they will be a pain in the ass. They're not going to be a pushover. They're not. They the, might have the best pitcher in the American League in Blake Snell. I mean, he won the Cy Young last year. Yeah. That's fair to I, say. I, I see Blake Snell as more of a Rick Porcello kind of guy where he could have a dominant year. And I, I just don't see him replicating that next year this year coming up i think he's gonna f- come back down to earth Certainly a little bit your opinion yeah well let's see if i'm right i really i'm not saying he's not great i just don't think he's you as dominant him, you as just called him rick porcello man rick porcello won a cy young and he has a couple world series rings so what's wrong what's wrong with his he's, career he's not a great pitcher though he's a very up and down that's what i think pitcher. blake snell is i don't i don't i don't think we can sit here and say he maybe has they maybe have the best pitcher in the american league they might have the best pitcher they in might. the american league i just don't see him profiling as that guy okay i think i think him winning cy young was the fluke not the you know not what he 21 actually 21 and is. 5 with a 1.89 last year yeah and what are his other seasons Five and seven, six and eight. What was the in those seasons? Three point five four in 2016, 4.04 in 2017. I think he's a. I think he's a low to he mid three. Last ERA year was pitcher. the first season he pitched over 25 starts. Yeah, because he came into his own finally. Maybe he did, and maybe that's why I'm not as high on him as everyone else. But I just don't see him as being that guy his whole career. I think he's more of a. Mid three ERA, maybe three two five to three five zero ERA, and that's still good. All right, so then we'll move to Boston. I mean, we know how deadly they are on offense. They really didn't. They made no upgrades there, but they didn't need to. Their starting pitching is pretty much the same. Again, you know, you're going to look at Chris Sale and can he stay healthy? And you know, we didn't bring it up in the interview, but Joe mentioned the the, uh, the shoulder issue, and he did it. He wasn't throwing as hard. You know, when he came back, but you know, to me, a lot of him missing time in the later part of the season had to do with the fact that they were up so many games. Yeah. I, they might have tried to push him if they mm-hmm. really needed to push to win that division. Yeah. So I now, agree. if the Yankees are up or they keep it closer than they did last season, you know, you might need, uh, Chris Sale for more games, and what are, what's Boston going to get out of him if he's got to make thirty starts, pitch two hundred plus innings? Yeah, I, I'm I'm someone who, you know, this team just won the World Series. I hate to sit here and say that the Yankees are going to be better than them. It just doesn't sit well with me. But 
if you want to just talk about it as far as these the way the rosters are built, let's just let's just keep it simple at this. The Yankees are a much more well-rounded team right now, whereas the Red Sox you don't even call them holes. They're just non I mean, it, it's just concerns because we've seen the path that baseball has taken and how important it is to have a good bullpen. And you want to say Joe Kelly wasn't an elite reliever? Fine, I'll agree with you. But look up, look up Joe a, Kelly's postseason. That's numbers. exactly what I was getting at. He was a big reason why they were so successful. What was his ERA in the postseason this year? It had to be low one. It was zero. Was it really? Six innings pitched, but did, uh, didn't allow a Six run. Six big innings. Yeah, big postseason innings. Well, that's huge. It, that's a lot. Look, we're not saying that somebody in Boston's bullpen can't step up for them. Right. But you can't be a legitimate, in my mind, in this day and age in baseball, you cannot be a legitimate contender without one proven commodity in your bullpen. Right. Plus, I agree. Plus, when those guys step up, well, then you have a hole in the middle. Then you don't have the middle relievers. These guys were their middle relievers, and now they're becoming their setup specialists. Now that leaves a hole in the sixth, seventh inning. You're going to need a lot from this starting rotation. You know, we brought a it up lot. here before. How do you let the Yankees sign Adam Adovino, especially at the price that they signed him for, when you're Boston and you need bullpen help? I'm going to bring this up because I think it's a it's a fun topic to to discuss right now. We talk about how frustrating it is, right, to hear every Yankee fan complain about every little thing. It seems like everyone's against what this organization tries to do as a whole. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just my outlook on things. I feel like in Boston, the fans... Boston. In fact, in Boston, I feel like the fans are with ownership too much, with the organization too much, where fans are sitting back right now and just going, we don't need bullpen. We got the best team in baseball. We're gonna do it. So, what would you what would you rather have if you were if you were if the Yankees were in the Red Sox position right now? They just got done winning the World Series, but now they they have this non-existent bullpen. You're you know, Aren't I guess you a little bit more easygoing the year after you win a title. Maybe, but not really. I mean, that's the goal every year. It doesn't I matter. Understand what, that, but are you more? If you're a Red Sox fan, are you desperate to win this year? Yeah. No, you're not. Hell yeah! You just won. Well, am I watching? Then, then you know what? I'll watch 80 games this year. No, I don't really not. care. No, I see your point, but it, I don't think it that has pressures gone. Which, I don't think which, it has to do which, with all that. Which that fan much. base is more hungry for a title right now? The Yankees or the Red Sox? By far, the Reds. Uh, Yankees. Okay, yeah, so that's agree. my point here. Is they just won last year? The fans. Yeah, so they you think that has win. to do with they it? They want to win again this year, but they're not hungry. They're not dying for it like the Yankees. I mean. The Yankees haven't won in 10 years. Now, while wow, you're going to talk to a Seattle Mariner fan who's never won a goddamn thing, but 10 years is a long time to the Yankees. Yeah. And don't forget, man, they have so much depth. And we just got t- I'm sorry to cut it's you okay. off, but you know, we're tired again or shit kicked in by our biggest rival and watching right. them win every year. So now as Yankee fans, we're hungry for this. We want this. Boston just like But now as a fan of Boston, you're just okay and sitting back and saying, "Yeah, maybe they will kick did, our did teeth I say in." That? Is that what I said? No, but what I'm trying to portray to you is put yourself in their shoes. Just because you won a title and you might not be as hungry, you're just going to be okay with the fact that you're just going to go with ownership and say, yeah, we don't need them. We're still great. Would you trust ownership more after they just won a title and trust their vision more after you just won the World Series? Yeah. Yep. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I but feel like Mike, they're... Sorry. You go. Right. You go. Uh, their plan 
has to be no 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 you go <laughs> no you go you go to to stick it out with this current roster they have built but dude they have a lot of depth offensively that if things are going sour for the bullpen they can just go ahead and trade one of these guys they could trade a Xander Bogarts they could trade a Rafael Devers and get an Eduardo Nunez a Brock Holt and get a a, a reliable relief pitcher so they have the depth to to uh you hear what Alex Cora said the other day that's a good point so I I I see them do, going that route, playing it out. It's gonna to fail. Story. They're gonna start out the year slow as a bullpen. They'll be fine offensively and they'll win a lot of games. But but when they need to make that push, that playoff push, they're gonna trade one of their their offensive pieces for a bullpen arm. I didn't hear what he said. It was uh, quoted on CNB and let Cora. me see if I could paraphrase it. Uh, that he said the eight game deficit that the Yankees faced this year will. Uh, last season will be nothing compared to what's going to happen this season. I like that. I like that. Good luck. Because, you know what? That, as much as I hate Alex Cora, as much as I don't respect him in any regard with what what comes out of his mouth, the way he acts on the field, he has taken on a certain persona that works in Boston. A douchebag? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And you know what? We don't like it here, but... That's exactly what I want to hear Alex Cora say going into this season. But but that goes back to my point to, is it that they just won a World Series that the fans are a little more complacent? Or is it the fact that they are just brainwashed by everything they hear and see? Whereas here, Aaron Boone wins 100 games and we want to, half the fan base wants to wring his neck. Alex Cora was always a hero to them, even when they first... There, I didn't see a lot of concern when they hired Alex Cora that he was never a manager before. He just came off a and World they just Series they staff. just fell in love. The whole the whole nation fell in love with him even before the World Series. Now everything out of anyone's mouth in Boston, the fans eat up. Would you rather have it that way, or would you rather have fans that have issues and bring up concerns? No, oh, yeah, it's fun arguing with people over irrational things all the time. Well, I'm asking you, would you rather them just? Go with the flow. With how every- how deep into Red Sox Twitter are you in their social media and following their fan base? Are they really that into everything? Do you know? Do you know how we say the loudest are the most obnoxious and irrational in Yankee Yankee Twitter? At least I feel like there are the same amount of people in Boston, but the difference is Boston. They're true fans. They're loud ones are the positive ones. They're all loud and obnoxious <laughs> over there. Yeah. And you know what? They love baseball. They truly love baseball. Whereas, you know, a good portion of Yankee fans don't really appreciate the game the way a true fan does. It's just that they're the New York Yankees and that's fine. But those are the ones that are the loudest, it seems. And in Boston, it just, I don't know. It just seems a little different. They're winning up there. We got to start winning here. Things will change once if the Yankees can bring home a title with this regime here. I hope so. I mean, the show's running a little long. Do you want to get into the rule changes that were made official? I actually don't. I I'm, I will if you want. I just needed some content for my own show, and I was going to just selfish fully... bastard. I'm not being selfish. It's just more selfish, of that. Right? I really just wanted to unleash all of my inner emotions. All right. Well, you know, let's just go through them quickly. Just, you know, give me 
couple word answer whether you like it or not. Uh, starting this season, um, there is no waiver trade deadline. There's only the July 31st trade deadline. Do you like it? I don't mind it. Right? I'm fine with it. it. To me, the only thing is it's going to make teams make decisions that they weren't going to want to quicker. That's right. that's why I don't mind. If, they, if you were telling me they were also doing what they thought that they were going to move it up, I wouldn't have liked it. But if they're keeping it the same day and all they're doing is removing the whole clear waivers and then trade thing, I'm fine with that. You know, we would have been stuck with another month of Shane Robinson if this happened last yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the million dollars for the home run derby champion. I don't even pay attention That's kind to of shit st- like that, to be stupid. honest. You know, and and you, know what them you know what Aaron, you know what Aaron said, Judge said? He said, fuck your money. But here's yeah. the thing. I get why they're doing it, and it's a good idea. They're trying to incentivize the guys like Aaron Judge who don't want to do it anymore but, to do it. But what's but a million Harper dollars? And John Carl Stan don't care, right? What's a million dollars to guys like that anymore? Seriously, they make that in in ten games. It's incentive you for know? guys that are on the rookie contracts, you know. But like, yeah, but, but who are but those guys? That's, that, who do you want to see right, it's on a rookie contract in the home run? You're derby. trying to incentivize these guys to do it. I mean, it's for your judges, just, your Bellingers. Guys, got bad news here. We're recording Saturday afternoon. Uh, Kyle Higashioka will not make the big club this year. He's um, been sent to minor league camp. Higgy, no more Higgy bombs for now. You better hope not. <laughs> yeah, really. You know what? You know what I would do. Here's what I would do. Let me just. I just noticed this here too. Russell Wilson is in Yankees camp. You think Dave Gettleman is scouting him? Probably. Probably, yeah. That's may, how fucked sure. up the Giants are, is that they'll yeah. scout Russell Wilson while he's Probably. playing baseball. Here's what I would do with the whole home run derby thing. I wouldn't make it a million dollars to the player. I would make it well known that any player who enters the home run derby and wins will get a million dollars to their charity of choice to donate. And that would what that would do is it would take the whole I don't need a million dollars. I just signed an eight million dollar contract. And what it would do is it would put them on on blast, I guess. You could, was that a term back in uh, That's a good term. All right, let me just follow oh, Hold this on. Up. Let me just uh, let no, me just I say one thing real quick. I'm let me just get this point out because you know my brain. I can't go back and forth. Uh I would take that and I'd put them I'd put it out there that hey, do you you know, Aaron Judge Aaron Judge's charity, whatever his big foundation donation. The Old Rise Foundation. Yeah, but I'm talking about like an outside. Why wouldn't he just give the money to his own charity? Yeah, maybe he could. But it would kind of put a little more pressure on him to be like, I should at least try and win this million dollars for them. So guilt money to the charity. Yeah, yes. That's great. That's really what it should be. You want guilt people into it. It would make these players feel like they were at least a little more obligated. Well, congratulations to Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez on their engagement. Yeah. That rock is obnoxious. Did you see? The, you see the video? Yes. That I uh, the picture I sent. Yeah, he's wearing his freaking World yeah, Series. It's so crazy. great. <laughs> Just to kind of set the tone that he's still. He's the only he's guy still that, wears, that is wearing a ring too. bigger than the one he's about to hand yeah. out. Unreal. He's getting engaged. This is why uh, Dylan Batanza said that he uh, said what he said. Uh, reading this tweet now, he's still trying to play catch up after being delayed in camp because remember he missed the first few weeks because of the birth of his child. 
So he's not right. injured. He's just behind everybody else. Yeah, I was reading. He said when the lights come on, he'll be ready. That's something. Yeah, but that, I didn't put one and one together. And when you hear that quote, it's a little concerning. But now, yeah, he was delayed a couple right. of weeks because. Well, he was, how many? So what was it? Two weeks he was out? About that. For the birth of his child? Come on, man. That's not an excuse. Shut up. <laughs> well, at my old job, when my son was born, I was threatened to be uh, fired for leaving for uh, a week. So, all right, let's get let's get through this here. This is for 2019. Uh, they're shorting the innings breaks from uh, two minutes and 25 seconds to two minutes in national games. Where are you reading that? It's, no, that's true. It's an official MLB release. Oh, because someone on the fan was saying two minutes that's and five local. seconds. That's for local. Okay. 155 for local games. Yeah, down from 205, right? 225. 225. Oh, I no, love wait, I'm that. sorry. It's uh, reduced 205 to two right. for local games, 225 to two in national games, and the commissioner's office retains the right to reduce it to 155 for both local and national games in the 2020 season. So, wow, that whole five seconds of commercial time is really going to save us a bunch. Um, that could add up, though, man. Please, they're just doing things to do things now. I think it's kind of promising, though, that they're cutting ad revenue okay, now. But let me just say one thing. That's a good sign, in my opinion. Who are we appealing to? Let's cool. not even get into that. Right I just now. want to say one thing. I know though. who we're appealing to. We're appealing to people that don't like baseball to begin with. And we are people who watch every single day. Are we even going to notice five seconds? No, but... Who, so what the... F- I, why are on, we wasting time? My own show. I already ranted about this. So, I mean, you can say selfishly I'm gonna, save I'm gonna it save your it. own I'm gonna show. I'm going to save it. And Ryan can... I'll just yell. hold it all in. Just hold it all in. All right. Mound visits. That sound you heard was Gary Sanchez having a panic attack because now... Uh, you only have five mound visits a game. Fine with six. that. Whatever. So and I brought this up the other day. You should get nine mound visits, one per inning. They don't carry over unless um, you can save one for the ninth inning so you can have two in the ninth inning. Because I don't think that you should limit it in the most important time of the, uh, the game. You should be able to go visit your pitcher at least twice. I, if you, you have one in the first inning, you don't use it, you lose it. Unless you don't use any of them, then you're allowed to carry one over for the ninth To inning. me, it's just like the biggest things they're trying to do to change this game are eliminating coaches and managers. Like every rule change that's supposed to be such a big impact, it compromises the strategy of the game. Mountain visits. Mm-hmm. Now this pitchers have to face... Three batters. Well, next we'll get year. to that because that this is for 2020 now. Uh, starting in 2020, the active roster limit from opening day through August 31st and the postseason will now be 26 players. Love it. I love that. And um, there's a cap on pitchers. The minimum amount of player. I didn't even know there was a minimum amount of active players, but 24. Yeah, but now it's 25. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I just thought that you'd be stupid not to count right. 25 players. No, yeah. And um like the I didn't know Does it was, talk about the cap on pitchers there? It does, but I will get to that. Uh the current major league Can you league, talk uh to the people a little better? The yeah. current major league roster uh for double headers is 26, but now you will be allowed a 27th player for tw- uh double headers. Huh. Uh, elimination of the 40 man roster in September. Now you will be able to carry up to 28 players. No, 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 not up to. You must carry 28 players starting in September. I like that. I, I've always been against the 40-man the roster. 
They will. They have not come up with it yet, but it will be uh, jointly discussed. Uh, they will come up with a cap number of pitchers. They haven't not come up with the number yet. I think I heard that they were hovering at thirteen. If you're gonna have twenty six players <clears throat> on your roster, thirteen is a fair number. Yeah. And listen to this. This is kind of odd. And this this might be the Shohei Otani rule because it, it says clubs must designate each mm-hmm. of its players as either a position player or a pitcher prior to each player's first day on the active roster. They must have 20 innings to each. Or you can designate the player as a two-way player and you qualify as such if they occur at least 20 major league innings pitched and at least 28 major league game started at a position or DH. So this is definitely AKA the Shohei Otani. And what does that do? What is designating their position? Because what they're trying to eliminate is when it's, you know, 16 to nothing in game three of the ALDS, uh, throwing a position, having, uh, Austin Romine come in to pitch. That's those things because, what happened last year, and we don't notice it as much because it didn't happen that in did New York. A lot. But every single day, there was another position player pitching and for blowout games because teams, teams didn't want to burn right? through their bullpen. Because let's, you know, we're in a it day and age. We just said it. Year. I just said it. Where bullpens matter so much, all these guys were going to. And what did that do? That killed the pace of play for the most part. All right, and here's the big one. I think that everybody's going to have a an opinion yeah. over. Uh, actually, we'll get to this right now. The minimum placement for pitchers on the injured list will increase from ten to fifteen days. Yes. Okay. Okay. And the minimum assignment of player of pitchers, not players, pitchers who are options in the minor leagues will also increase from ten to fifteen days. So they have to stay in the minor leagues for 15 days now. Yes, unless an get... injury occurs and they're allowed to be caught. In it. Hmm. I'm assuming they're going to still keep that the same. And that probably ties into this rule, the minimum batters uh, faced rule, which now says all starting and relief pitchers must pitch to at least three batters unless the end of the inning occurs first. And then they don't have to bring back the pitcher. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. So if I come into the game with two outs... I strike the guy out. I don't have to come no, back out. That's correct. I just, Which when I, they first announced it, we didn't know if that was going to be the case. So it doesn't bother me as much knowing that if you bring in a pitcher to close out the inning, he can be done after that. I don't see it happening often, but what's the big thing with pitchers in today's game? Pitch count. Relief pitchers, it's even it's even more severe. They don't throw more than 30 pitches in an outing. What about that guy that goes out there and he struggles through those first two Two batters. The problem? It's, it's too many pitches. It's not going to happen often, but it could be detrimental to people's fr- arms. I understand what you're saying. If your guy isn't fresh, like he's pitched two of the last three games, right. you're not going to, you might not start him in an inning then at that point. You're going to take the risk that if you only got it for one batter, that he's going to come and get that batter right. out. Yeah, you're right. Well, here's my thing I'm not saying that baseball shouldn't evolve, right? Because, <clears throat> excuse me. It has, and it should, and every sport should. The problem with the challenge of baseball evolving is that we're talking about a sport. Put aside how much we love the pure aspect of baseball. We're talking about a sport that doesn't have a time limit, that doesn't have a pitch limit. We're talking about a sport where 
It's unlikely, but a guy could literally... It's unlikely, very unlikely. A guy could literally throw 100 pitches to one batter. Yeah. You it, Would it ever happen? No. Well, but 20 foul it, balls. Is there anything stopping a 100-pitch at bat? No. I know it sounds stupid. There's nothing in the rule right. book. That exactly. Yeah, that's so now we're matter. making these rules with the assumption that a guy can't have a 30-pitch at bat. We've seen 20 pitch at bats. Absolutely. Before. 15 yeah. pitch at bats. I think Gardner had like a 20 pitch at bat and against that's Cody the, Allen. It, in the, so, my the issue stuff. should be not batters faced. If you want to put a, a minimum pitch, uh, you know, counter on a pitcher where he has to, fi- let's take the average amount of pitches thrown to a batter is probably about five or in, in between five or six, let's say. Mm-hmm. Let's make it 10. Okay, let's say that pitcher has to either throw 30 pitches in an inning. That's a lot for a reliever. Yeah. 25, 20 maybe. Yeah, 20, 25. I see where you're going. I actually really like that. But don't you get nervous when a reliever is throwing 25 pitches in an inning and you feel like he's he's past his limit? I would say 15 would probably be a decent number. Okay. Yeah. If you want to do that. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I I was off on my... Yeah, you were. I I meant to say... uh, I meant to say 18. I was saying six, six times three, eighteen, uh, per per inning. That That's should be like so a minimum better, pitch dude. count. It shouldn't be batter based because these guys can technically throw as many pitches as the batter keeps fouling off. Right. You know, it, it's just and it doesn't make face sense. Two more batters after I just do twenty pitches to this guy. Like we were talking in the car about this whole pitch pitch clock it shouldn't be how many seconds you have in between getting the ball and then throwing your next pitch it should be a shorter time that you get to have to get the ball and just get back on the mound and and look in for your signs that should be what it is because once you're on that mound you're a pitcher again and you're doing things for a certain reason it's the bullshit we're trying to eliminate where the guy goes back and kicks his cleats and picks up the rosin bag and you know shimmies his shoulders and wipes his sweat down batances right yeah it's those things it's <laughs> we shouldn't be sacrificing what happens once that guy becomes a pitcher again and looks in you're for the sign you're right dude and that's what bothers me about about these rule changes that they're not they're thinking too much about who they're trying to cater to and not enough about the actual in-game strategy and mindset of these players. Well, here we'll wrap it up on this because I want to make this point. I think it's an excellent point. We love baseball, so we don't we don't really see, you know, yeah, could the games be quicker blah blah, blah sure, you know, everybody can say, but they're doing these things to cater to people that don't watch baseball or might watch 10 games a year, right? That's what they're doing. The NBA, to their credit, do not care about what people that don't watch basketball think about their product. Because to me, somebody that doesn't watch basketball, it's insanely boring watching the last five minutes of a game, foul, free throw, foul, free throw, foul, free throw, when you can get through the first they play an hour, right? Three, uh, 48, no, 40, minutes. 48 minutes. We play 48 minutes. You can get through the first 43 minutes of an NBA game in like an hour and 20 minutes. And then the last five minutes take an hour because uh, even when you're down 10, oh, I got to hack a shack, hack a shack, foul, free throw, <laughs> foul, free throw. That's boring to me. And you know what? The NBA doesn't care that I think it's boring because they don't care about what people that don't watch their product think. But And then here's Major League Baseball. Oh, well, we got to. We got to do all this shit for people that don't even watch this. And now, guy X that might watch 10 games a year, what is he going to watch 11 now? 
You think it's really gonna make him a bigger fan of baseball? I'm gonna I'm gonna just finish my point with this. And we're gonna throw our buddy Randy into this. Okay? Who's the Randy? one you talk shit to about me on social media without tagging me. Um but you're such a triggered asshole that you went and found. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he fucking scoped that out. Let's use Randy. Scoped it Let's out. use Randy. We'll let him know we used him in this show so he could take Randy a listen. Natolios. Randy Natolios. Randy uh, Do you, Christian, do you love basketball? Do you watch basketball? No. What's Randy's favorite sport? Uh, that would be hoops. Okay. Why don't you watch basketball? Uh, to be, you want the long answer or the short answer? Whatever you feel would suffice to answer my question. My father wasn't a big fan of basketball, so I never really grew up watching it. And then after the Knicks had their run in the 90s, there was no really good basketball. And really, I never took a liking to a team. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. If you grew up playing basketball, learning the game, appreciating the game, would any of the penalties and fouls and all of that deter you from watching the sport that you grew up appreciating, loving, and playing your entire life? Probably not. And that was to my point that the NBA doesn't care about what people that don't watch their sport think. Right. And my point is... And clearly the people that watch it must not bother them because they really don't do anything about my it. My point is there's nothing that would really take Randy away from the sport of basketball. Even if he says it would, it probably wouldn't because he appreciates it on a level that we could never understand. And the same thing goes for baseball. We appreciate the sport People are not just going to all of a sudden start watching a game because it's a quicker paced, uh, more entertaining sport. Like you said, maybe 10, 11 games they'll start watching more a year, but they're never going to be the fan that you want to attract. Do you think that guy even knows about these new rules? That that was the point when you cut me off before uh, because I was, you know, rambling a little bit. You don't even, they're not even going to real. When does a casual baseball fan actually watch a game when he decides to go get a drink with a couple of his buddies and it's on, you know, four different screens or when that team in your area is really good and makes the playoffs? That's it. Do you think they're going to know what's happening that a, a pitcher can now only, oh, guys, listen, I fucking hate baseball. It's so slow, but guess what? The pitcher has to face at least three batters now. I'm a fan. No, that's not how it works. So why are we doing those things? Why? It doesn't Because we have a commissioner sense. that hates his own sport. I really, I hate him. I hate his guts. I really do. But again, I'll save that true, pure emotion for my show. All right, let's wrap up the show here because it's approaching on a dangerously long territory. It's probably... Or uh, the rings level. Yeah. So uh, you want to thank everybody who stuck with us here for this extra long episode. But hey, you know what? We did an ALEs preview. We had a little injuries, stuff to talk about, new rules. So it's not like we filled it up with a bunch of uh, nonsense. And you know? we're only 12. We're less than two weeks away from opening day. Yeah, when you... 12 uh, days, right? It's crazy. You know, when this pod drops on Monday morning, we'll be what? 10 days. 10 days out. Something, you know, we're getting there. It's back. And yesterday really felt like a spring day. It was probably about yeah. 70 here. So. Very nice. It was 73. I liked it. it. I think. It was crazy. So 
Thank you. It was you were cra- pretty, pretty good. We want to thank you if you're crazy enough to stick out this entire episode. Thank Joe Rivera for uh, spending a good chunk of his uh, day with us. Probably really came close to two hours from when we were supposed to call him to when I told him we were going to call him to the fact that we couldn't call him. And then, and I don't know why we continue to forget to do this, but please leave us uh, forget to do this in the beginning of the show. Please leave us a rating and review if you're a fan of the show. If you don't like the show, don't leave us a rating and review. And just shove, thank you very much. Just shove it up your ass. Write thank it down on a piece of paper and shove it up your ass. Right. Wow. And then and then you know what? Reach out to us and bash us personally. I would absolutely love it. And then when I clown shoes you like Jane Shiloh and Bob, you won't wonder why. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's hear from our sponsor and then I'll say goodbye. Deal. Hey, have you heard about baseballism? <laughs> A premium lifestyle apparel brand focusing on the class, tradition, and history of baseball. You can find everything from accessories such as phone cases and watches to your next favorite baseball tee. Whether you're a player or just a fan of the game, Baseballism has something for everyone. They also have multiple stores, including one in Cooperstown, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Hop online to Baseballism.com and check out all they have to offer. Just be sure to use promo code NYYST at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Baseballism, a brand built for love of the game. All right, thank you to Baseballism.com for sponsoring the show. Definitely check them out, N-Y-Y-S-T. Uh, the code will save you 15% or more on your car insurance. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was so natural that I didn't even, <laughs> until you until you stopped, I didn't even think about it. All right, so definitely go to Baseballism.com. Use the code N-Y-Y-S-T for 15% off. It will not help you save money on your car insurance, but will help you save money on some cool baseball merchandise. Uh, follow us on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Follow Joe Rivera, our guest today, on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Uh, Stat Guy Rye. I'll go Yanks. Chris. Say goodbye. Ooh.